Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Faith to Go podcast, your one-stop shop for everything you need to have faith discussions throughout your week with your friends and with your family. My name is David Tremaine, and I'm the Minister of Formation at Good Samaritan Episcopal Church in San Diego. And I'm Charlotte Pressler, and I'm the Youth Missioner for the Episcopal Diocese of San Diego. And we're back in San Diego. woo It's good to be home. Back at the ECC. It's good to be home in our regular time zone. Mm-hmm. That was a struggle. I was listening to the podcast and like I can hear how tired I <laughs> I can hear my exhaustion in my voice. Yes. <laughs> like my whole head is full of being tired. Yes. Uh, but so, the good kind of tired because rooted in Jesus was It was really great. a spirit-filled and information-filled offering. Yeah, it was wonderful. So, uh we are here science guest. Mhm. Uh we've got some uh some great guests uh lined up for the future. Uh and um we are uh, excited to get into this gospel for the fourth Sunday after Epiphany, which is also the uh, feast of the presentation of Jesus. You know, eight days after Christmas, we celebrate the feast of the naming of Jesus, which is the like the verse that happens right before the start of this week's gospel, because the naming and presentation kind of all happen at the same time, but we split it up so we can celebrate these two different Feast days. Uh, so today we have the Feast of the Presentation of Jesus, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that is uh, when we get to um, the context section of the program. Um, but first, uh, Charlotte wants to uh, talk about an important thing that's happening this week, not just in San Diego, but everywhere. All over the world. Yeah. And truthfully, the, we do not have a guest this week, but that doesn't mean that there aren't opportunities for seeing God at work in the world in our own contexts. Um, and one of those places that's been especially vibrant for me has been this week at Christ Church Day School, where we're participating in the Great Kindness Challenge. Um, the Great Kindness Challenge actually comes out of Kids for Peace, which is an organization that many of you might be familiar with. And if you aren't, I truly encourage you to go in and to look up what they're doing. They're doing tremendous work in the world. But one of their offerings is this annual focus on kindness. And what it looks like for grade schoolers is a challenge to complete acts of kindness over the course of the week. So for example, at our school, we have kindergartners doing a treasure map of 12 acts. We have first and second graders attempting to do 25 and third through sixth graders attempting to do 50. Um, and we've taken it one step further and challenged our congregation to do the 50 sheet as well and then to turn them in to partner with the school kids so that they can see that kindness isn't something that just matters to children. Mm -hmm. um, kindness is truly something that changes the world. Mm -hmm. And one of our previous guests, the Reverend Laura Sheridan Campbell, she and I were talking about it. And she said something that I've – she's a great truth teller, that Laura. I love Reverend Laura. Um, but she said that often – Kindness and niceness is something that we're accused of, um, that it's almost used in a diminishing way, mm -hmm. um, and that some of the great works that we're all called to come from that place of kindness, because kindness is a derivative of love, mm -hmm. right? Like when we walk the way of love, one of the things that we're called to is being kind to one another, mm -hmm. even when maybe we don't deserve it. So this week, I've gotten to see so much outpouring and different ways of kindness. I've seen teachers who rode up to school on their bicycles to tell their kids that they were being kind to the earth by not driving their car. 
Um, I have had students who have made cards for specialty teachers and um, our school custodian and brought them in with thank yous of appreciation, which is kindness. Um, And I've watched the fifth grade start the compliment project and what it means to give a compliment that's not based on your appearance or something you own, Mm -hmm. but really recognizes the value of each human being. Mm -hmm. So that reminder that kindness is something that we're called to in following Jesus is really timely, Mm -hmm. I think, for me. Um, And I'm hopeful that this week starts that ripple effect of more kindness in the world. Yeah, so we commend uh, to you the kindness kindness challenge for this mm-hmm. week, and uh, we'll check in again and see how it went with Charlotte next week, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want to hear from you. If you want to send us any of your stories of uh, the kindness challenge or your uh, stories or questions or comments from your week of discussion or reflection around this week's gospel, you can send those to us uh, by email, uh, faith2go at edsd.org. You can get in contact with us through the website, myfaith2go.org, or you can contact us through Instagram, at faith2go. So, we are going to get into that gospel, uh, and the gospel for this fourth Sunday after Epiphany is Luke 2, 22 to 40. Charlotte's going to read it, and then we are going to highlight three points from the reading. Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, the parents of Jesus brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, Now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of eighty-four. She never left the temple, but worshipped there, fasting and prayer all night, night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. All right, that's a long one for It today. is. Uh, <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, so we are in this 
in the beginning of Luke's gospel, and we're only in Luke's gospel because we are on this feast day, the Feast of the Presentation, and this is the only gospel where mm-hmm. this presentation takes place. Luke is the only gospel where, there's, where there is any uh, conversation or stories about Jesus between his birth and his adult ministry mm-hmm. as a 30-year-old. So Luke actually, and then after this, there's going to be one about Jesus as kind of a, as, and as an adolescent, as a teenager, uh, going to Jerusalem for the Passover. So it's really interesting to see that Luke is, is paying attention, and Luke's <coughs> tradition is paying attention to Jesus as a, young, as a young person, not only as a baby, but these important uh, rituals uh, that are taking place in Jesus' religious life as a child, and then as an older child, and then as an adult in baptism. So we're kind of like moving along with you, what you might call, like, the, like we talk about, we have sacraments that kind of hit the milestones of our Christian life, and we're marking Jesus' milestones through his religious life as a Jewish person. So that's pretty cool, I think, and uh, and it's it's all, it's always interesting to see these standalone stories from the Gospels because there's not a lot of them in, especially in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, that are all so very similar. So it's cool. It's important to pay attention to these ones that that stand out as as so unique. Um, and so the the this is so what's happening here is something prescribed by Jewish laws. It says the law of Moses. Uh, to name the child at eight days, which is what has just happened before this story, and then to bring him to the temple in Jerusalem uh, and to make this offering uh, to God in, in thanksgiving for this child. And so uh, that's where we are. So I think that's it for context. So I have the first point for this week. And the, the, the thing that jumped out to me was, this, was the Holy Spirit in this story. Um, This is Luke's gospel, as we've already said, and the important thing to remember about Luke's gospel is that there is a second part to Luke's gospel, which is the book of Acts. So the writer of Luke and the writer of Acts are almost certainly the same person, writing from the same perspective, from the same community, at the same time. And one thing that that comes up a lot in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit bringing, like, leading the disciples and help, and equipping people to do the ministry that Jesus has sent them to do after Jesus has ascended to heaven. So when he is no longer physically with them anymore, they are being guided by the Spirit, knowing how to spread the Word of God, how to cultivate community in churches and, and things like that. So you see it most prominently in another feast day, the day of Pentecost. That's the word, That's the Holy Spirit kind of descending on all the the disciples uh, after Jesus has ascended into heaven and um, and equipping them with all these languages, you know, all these tools to go out into the world and, and do ministry. And as Simeon says, to be a light to the nations, mm-hmm. you know, not just to the Jewish people, but to everyone, not just to the people in Jerusalem, not just to the people in Israel, but to the nations. And And it's interesting because like, I think about, when I think about the Holy Spirit moving, I think about it like, either after Jesus has gone or as a thing that Jesus talks about, but not about an active player kind of during Jesus's life, not as a character in the story while Jesus is around, you know. But this is so cool to see this this morning because the Holy Spirit is moving and doing things and Jesus is just a tiny baby, Mm -hmm. you know. So it's so 
interesting to see how like this spirit, this Holy Spirit is moving uh, in this early, early part of the gospel, in the early part of Jesus's story, and that that work has been happening, you know, and we can go, I mean, we know this because in the beginning, you know, the Spirit of God moved over the face of the deep, you know, all the way back in Genesis 1. So we have, we know this Holy Spirit, but to see it talked about in the Gospels like this is is really cool and very unique. And so it's amazing to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing, because Luke later will talk about the Holy Spirit as the as fire and descending like a dove and like these really big, uh, amazing, big, impactful acts. But what the Holy Spirit is doing here is so much more subtle because what it seems like is that the Holy Spirit has been a source of revelation. It has revealed to Simeon his vocation, revealed to Simeon what his call is in the world, what he is called to do. And it is to wait for this Christ, to witness to this Christ, to look for the Christ. So again, that's something that the Holy Spirit can do in us, is give us the strength and the patience and the, the eyes to see Christ in the world around us. And then it guides Simeon to go into the temple at this particular time on this particular day, right? So now it's like bringing people together in ways that will multiply the work, you know, of the kingdom of heaven. That that the Holy Spirit is is guiding us not just in these big ways of like finding our vocation, but in these small every single interaction we can think about the Holy Spirit moving to bring us to wherever we are today, you know. And then the, the last thing I think is just the way that the Holy Spirit then we can think about as being this like tool of relationality, that it is the thing that is bringing us together. It's the glue that connects us in relationship, you know. Mm-hmm. So that the Holy Spirit is like revealing, it's sustaining, and it is connecting people. And it is it is connecting people so that we can recognize Christ in one another and in the world. Well, and David, as you were talking, I kept connecting to this Mary Oliver poem, um, The Instructions for Living a Life, mm. um, which is pay attention, mm-hmm. be astonished, tell about it. Yeah. And if you think about it, the Holy Spirit is always moving in the world. And our realization in our prior discussion, even to recording today, about how you don't think about it during Jesus's ministry, right? Like you think about Jesus's ministry and not the ways in which the Holy Spirit is moving and how we get to see it today. Mm -hmm. Well, how many times are we not paying attention to what the Holy Spirit is doing in this world today? Mm -hmm. Um, And so just that reminder to really pay attention, because when we pay attention, then we have that opportunity to see the Spirit moving in ways that perhaps we wouldn't notice otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and and in that threefold Mary Oliver uh, exhortation is, you know, like you said, it's pay attention, be astonished, and go tell about it. Mm-hmm. Those are the three things that happen in this story. Because later with Anna, her astonishment leads to her going and telling about what she's seen. You yeah. know, so we also have the spirit pushing people out to go witness to the power of God that is in the world, to the things that they are recognizing mm-hmm. in the world. So a lot here for us a to to model our, our own kind of 
uh, understanding of the Holy Spirit after. Mm -hmm. Well, and speaking of understanding, I think that taking that concept probably goes into my point next, um, which is the section where Simeon blessed them and then said to Mary, this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. And in the first part of that, we hear about the child being destined for, destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And I think that for me, when I read that, I really had to pause and sit with it for a little bit, because I think that often myself, I get focused on the ways that Jesus lifts things up, um, the way that he calls attention to things, um, the healing of the sick, um, the focus on those who are left out and left behind, and all of those ways in which things are lifted up. But there were also things that fell. And there are also things that are falling now Mm -hmm. as part of that, in that you can't have justice without the doing away with injustice. You can't have truth without the letting go of sin. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the fact, the naming of in this moment, in the presentation of Simeon saying that this child is destined for the falling and the rising, and the rising's not named first. He doesn't say the rising and the falling. He says the falling and the rising. So the fall comes and then the rising, um, or they come together, right? Um, I think is just a really important reminder for me personally, right, that I can't get so caught up in the lifting up of things that I forget that sometimes in the lifting up of things that other things had to fall. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like in this moment, Simeon is maybe for the first, being the first person to predict Jesus's death and resurrection, Mm -hmm. you know, like this word rising up is the same word for resurrection, that Jesus was raised up. Simeon saying things are falling, will fall and rise up. That's the same word, anastasis. It's like, it is resurrection. And so he's saying, you know, just as Jesus will fall and rise, so many other things will fall and rise. So, but like you're saying, that like renewing of things, that resurrection of the world of systems of justice and, and even of our own kind of spiritual self and our own understandings of God and of the world around us, these things will die, mm-hmm. they will fall in order to be raised up again in a new way, mm-hmm. you know, because Jesus wasn't the same before and after the resurrection, you know, so like, so that again, we're getting this idea, the same kind of idea that John is, that John in calling Jesus the word, the logos is trying to get across is like this pattern of Jesus's life is the pattern of everything. Mm-hmm. Like that everything has is in this cycle of falling and then rising and being made new as part of the kingdom of heaven to like, you know, work towards the falling and rising of all things and the building up of, of something greater than any one person. So yeah, I love that. I love that. And this idea that I think this kind of goes into the third point, which is the second half of this verse, Mm -hmm. is that it's kind of, I think, kind of like how another way that that falling and rising happens. And because it says, and what is kind of confusing, to be a, a sign that will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Super intense. Very. Sounding. Wow. Simeon is really <laughs> getting, like, cryptic. Uh, but I think I think what he's, what I hear him saying in this is, like, this is going to be a person that kind of 
that contradicts the status quo of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a person that stands up in their very embodiment to push back against you know injustice and inequality, and that that is going to be a stumbling block for a lot of people, mm-hmm. and actually is supposed to be a stumbling block for everybody. Because really, if we're if we are being honest about where we are, if we're being serious about transformation in our own kind of spiritual journey, there need to be a lot of fallings and risings on it, you know, and 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 we need to constantly be. This is why this is why like our ability to reflect, to read and reflect on scripture in light of our kind of constant experience of being human is so important, especially in the Anglican and Episcopal tradition. Is that like all these things are informing one another and they're they should always be calling us to question what we think is true and leading us to like deeper ways of knowing and understanding ourselves. Right, we need you know? to know our motivations, right? Like that question of why mm-hmm. isn't a throwaway question. Mm-hmm. The the reason that we act the way we do, the reason that we believe the things we do is important. Mm-hmm. Naming of the why, our underlying meaning for things. And mm-hmm. I think that we hear that in this second half of the the time with Simeon Mm -hmm. that we were just exploring. Mm -hmm. Because when you hear um, a sign that will be opposed so so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, well, sometimes it's the things that rub against us, that push against us, that make us uncomfortable, that ultimately reveal our own motivations mm-hmm. and our own pieces that we're carrying, our stuff mm-hmm. um, that we bring to experiences, conversations, and relationships. Right. And so, and again, another piece of the Holy Spirit moving, this, con- this continuing work of Jesus, of God in the world, is to continue to be that mirror for us, that opposing force that pushes us to recognize something like deeper and deeper down parts of ourselves mm-hmm. that are unconsciously making like causing us to do things that might be hurting ourselves or others. And so it's this constant like reminder, you know, to pay attention to that log in mm-hmm. our eyeball mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, so that we can c- continue to grow. And just like it says at the very end that G- this, the child Jesus grew mm-hmm. and grew in strength and grew in wisdom and continued to grow through his whole life. You know, like the fact that that the the that God incarnate is a life, a human life that grows and changes and transforms should not be passed over by us, should not be lost on us. The fact that Jesus changed and and Jesus is this incarnate word of God, then our changing and transformation should not be a bad thing. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's actually more like God to change and to grow and to progress and to learn. So that we are part of following Jesus, part of being disciples, part of walking in those footsteps and walking on that path is to be serious about how we're changing and being transformed, what we're being called to do next in terms of our own spiritual growth. Mm-hmm. You know, Which means sometimes looking at the parts of ourselves that we like least. Yeah. Actually, probably most, mostly doing that, mm-hmm. which is the hard thing to do. So uh, I think that's three points. I mean, I know that's three points. Yeah, it's I think you know. Points. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Uh, so point number one was uh, mine, and it was about the work of the Holy Spirit uh, being this uh, guiding and revealing and then sending out uh, energy in our lives and in the world. 
Number two was Charlotte's Point, and it was about uh, this first part of uh, Simeon's conversation with Mary uh, about the falling and rising of many and how in our spiritual lives, in our, in our lives in general, we will have many fallings and risings, and that is supposed to happen on this journey of faith. The third one follows that mm-hmm. uh, in that it is about uh, the second half of what Simeon says to Mary, that uh, we're constantly, that Jesus is kind of this symbol of uh, being challenged being pushed to that falling and then rising, being pushed to letting go of what we think is true and op- being open to something new happening in us, in the world, some new idea about God, of other people, and that we're all kind of being ushered down this journey of progress. Uh, not necessarily perfection, not necessarily... Th- the idea being that we're never going to get it, mm-hmm. but we're always being kind of walking down the path of getting a little bit closer and closer and closer. So, uh, it's a long gospel, so we're not going to read it again for the sake of time, but we invite you to rewind, listen to Charlotte read it again from the beginning, and see if you hear anything different that second time through listening to it. Um, But we want to uh, thank you for tuning in. We will be back next week, the fifth uh, Sunday after Epiphany. And after that, we're getting close to Lent. Lent. We're getting real close. We're only uh, maybe four weeks away now. Uh, So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, Make sure to send us any of your uh, conversations or reflections from this week of faith discussion, Uh, any of your questions or comments, your stories, also any of your stories about your uh, week of kindness and the kindness challenge. Mm -hmm. We want to hear about those. You can email us, faithtogo at edsd.org. You can contact us through the website, myfaithtogo.org, or you can contact us through Instagram at faithtogo. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, We will be back next week. And until then, we say goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. everybody.